When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pixels, the show where we get news from the gaming industry to discuss, and uh, maybe games even from the gaming industry. How novel an idea. My name is Patrick Beja, and I'm very glad to be joined again for the first time in four months. Where have you been, Ed? Even more than four months. How's, how's it going? How was your E3? Yeah, it was great. Um, I got to watch it from afar, I'm sure like a lot of people did. Uh, the, I thought the E3 was great this year. Um, combination of Microsoft just putting forth the one of the best showings I've seen um, from them in the past uh, five or so years, and then Nintendo absolutely uh, stealing the show with the number of games that they announced had 2019 release dates, and just uh, it was just overall a, a really positive, good show for for the entire uh, industry. I think. Yeah, I, I I have heard a lot of people who said they weren't super impressed. And I mean, it's it wasn't the best E3 ever, I agree. But I think, as I mentioned in the last episode, for those who haven't listened, I think the fact that it was the prelude to next year's complete overhaul with the next generations made it a lot more more than just palatable it it became fun for me and it was like okay so this is what we get before the big one next year if there was no perspective of uh you know anticipation of next year i might have been a little bit less enthused but as it stands i i really had fun and um we also got the gift of game pass which i think we're going to talk a little bit about a few things um post e3 and something we might have missed something that things that are interesting and then more news but i think for me the the biggest uh element remains game pass especially now that i have had an opportunity to enjoy it um how are your what are your feelings on on game pass um I, I've talked about this a little bit with a couple people, but the the idea of subscriptions becoming a, a commonplace in games because not just Game Pass, but also uh, Ubisoft announced their UPlay Plus um, subscription as well, and then obviously there's Stadia and stuff. But uh, well, Stadia not idea, being a subscription, which is ironic, but yeah. Well, yeah, it. I think it is. No, it isn't. That is part of. The- that is part of the incredibly confusing messaging that uh, Google delivered, yeah. which I have theories on uh, why that is. But um, no, there is no Stadia subscription. There is going to be Uplay Plus on Stadia. Yeah. And right. that's my theory that they're essentially providing a white box service for other publishers that don't um have the technical capabilities to provide a streaming service. You know, Uplay is the first one. I'm guessing I wouldn't be surprised if EA followed suit with their subscription service. And, you know, who knows? Bethesda, Square I mean, Enix, any yeah. other. Yeah, so, so my point of all this is that the 
the existence of all these streaming services has really um has subscription really kind services. Of ex- did i say that yeah you said you said uh, streaming but i think you meant yeah, the subscription what's services. wrong with me yeah subscription fine. Services. You, you just woke uh, up it's like 6 a.m yeah, exactly. so that's fine um but yeah, the, the existence of all these subscription services has really uh, exploded over the last couple of, of months, even. Um, and the the ability for for the average gamer to spend, hey, I want to drop like ten dollars, and I want to download the latest game from this uh, this publisher and play it as soon as I download it. Like that's kind of mind blowing that that's even an option anymore in the world of. $60 games. I mean, obviously the publisher doesn't want you to cancel the game, cancel the subscription after you're done playing it. But the fact that that's, that's, that's available to you is really, it's kind of democratizing the, the ability to uh, play a lot of newer games. Um, and though it's the hopes of the publishers that you play a game and you really, really like it and you want to keep playing it more and more and more, especially the, the games of the service kind of games. Um, and then you stay subscribed for forever. But uh, but the fact that you now have this option to possibly not do that is kind of cool. I think. I, yeah, I agree. And I think there are a lot of people who um, think, oh, well, this is problematic for the um, value of games and for the amount of money that um, developers are going to get. And I understand the concern, but... I really think these things have a tendency to work themselves out. Um, and if, let's say, let's talk about Microsoft, whose service is a little bit more expensive because it includes Xbox Live and everything. But essentially for, um, well, I guess on Xbox, you can get it for 10 bucks. And if you want the ultimate, it's 15 bucks. But for 15 bucks, if you stay subscribed all year, that is interesting to you because you get a lot of games, but it's also worthwhile for Microsoft. Obviously, everyone is rushing into this system because they get the equivalent of, what is it, three games guaranteed uh, to be purchased in their house from you. So they right. have three, the, the, the worth, the money um, of three games, and it's also paid directly to them without maybe some retailer that's in the loop. Um, and I think that money gets redistributed internally, of course, but also uh, to other developers to garnish their, their, their service because they want games from others. It's different, yeah. of course, there are going to be winners and losers, but I don't think it's necessarily worse from an industry standpoint and from a revenue for overall for the industry. Yeah, and that's not even counting like having a subscription and, and playing games that are cheaper than that. You know, um, you're all of a sudden you're paying for twelve, fifteen dollar games instead. You know, yeah, and you're playing them when you might not have played them. Um, and also, I think people, you know, so you might not have played them. And, and the developers presumably get, get money for them uh, when they wouldn't have otherwise. And it, it might change the nature of the games as well a little bit to an extent, but because, you know, people, the, the, the developers will maybe try to grab you as quickly as possible so, so you continue playing because you have a plethora of games available to you more than you had before, which is kind of mind-boggling. But again, what I keep saying is that the business model of games have always uh, informed the game design. Some people say, oh, the money is going to come in and muck up the way that game designers want to do the thing uh, that would be pure art otherwise. And that is obviously ridiculous. I mean, 
Of course, there are instances where uh, things are mishandled because of financial concerns. But uh, the idea that games uh, and business model wouldn't inform the design of any art form, really, is ludicrous. A popular art form, and even in video games, you know, used to be a time when I always go back to that example. It's not the only one, but it's the most uh, potent, I think. You would put in a quarter every two minutes to keep playing in your arcade, right? And and the games were designed to make you die every two minutes. And that was pure game design. And that, you know, so anyway, I'm not overly concerned about all this. It's going to shake up things a little bit. But I also don't think everyone is necessarily going to be subscribed to those game passes. Um, I looked up the subscription numbers for PlayStation Plus, which is not necessarily as good a deal as the game passes, but it's also a lot cheaper. But PlayStation Plus, over an installed base of PlayStation 4s um, of about 100 million, not quite, but almost, um, and I don't even count the PlayStation 3 install base, because let's leave that out, but PlayStation Plus is about a third of the installed base. I think the latest number we have is 36 million. Um, So I don't know, I guess around that number would be reasonable to expect for subscription services for different uh, publishers. And that's still a very low number compared to the amount of gamers that exist out there. So there will still be people to pay games full price. Um, So I don't know. I think the the, the doom and gloom is a little bit over... um, not doom and gloom, but there are some concerns which I understand, but I don't necessarily share a certain certainty of. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think the biggest benefit out of this is less like the the, the first party games or or, any, or even second party games, um, but like the the third party indie games that are joining this are are going to get a little bit more of a highlight. Like I think that I am more likely to jump into it to an indie game that i'm kind of interested in if it's on game pass because i don't have to do that that initial purchase and in a game that's like completely unproven you know like like before i heard about how awesome hollow knight was i wasn't i was a little nervous about just jumping in and buying that game right away but then like playing like five hours of it i realized oh my god this is like one of the best metroidvanias ever made you know so yeah, and in that case, you know, uh, so let's talk about what I did over the past couple of weeks. Um, I got Game Pass. I'll tell again the trick that I used to get it really cheap um, for the people who haven't heard it. I've mentioned it on a couple of other shows, but um, essentially, when you subscribe to Game Pass Ultimate for the first time, Ultimate is the one that includes PC Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, and the Xbox Live service. So it's the whole package, and it's 15 bucks a month. But when you first subscribe to it for $1 for the first month, they convert all of your months of um, Xbox Live Gold and existing Xbox Game Pass into months of uh, Game Pass Ultimate. So one for one. So if you have 12 months of uh, Xbox Live Gold, you will get 12 months of Game Pass Ultimate until your next um, bill comes in for the service. So, of course, what a lot of people did was they went out and purchased a ton of Xbox Game um, uh, Xbox Live Gold and then switched, and so that amount was converted. And I did that, so I essentially got... I think almost three years for um, uh, half the price or even less than that, a third of the price. Um, that That is 
crazy value, obviously. And it's really clever because it pushes me to look very seriously at the next Xbox console because essentially I'm already an Xbox, uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate subscriber until 2022. So when next year comes around... Um, I'm probably going to be looking at the, uh, let's be honest, I'd be looking at the two consoles anyway. Um, and by the way, I have a theory. Ed, tell me if this is crazy. But this is such a good deal. I think Sony at E3 2020 is going to try to emulate it somehow. And here's my theory. We can put it, you know, on, on paper, on hard drives for uh, people to go back to and, and, and check out uh, at that point. But I think they're going to release um, Death Stranding and get people to buy it full price. And I think they're going to release The Last of Us Part Two early next year and get people to buy it. And then E3 comes around. And they say, hey, everyone, uh, PlayStation Now is reworked. Of course, it lets you stream the games that are in the library, as it always has. And you can now install them, just like Game Pass. You can install them as well. And we now include all of Sony's first-party games and some additional games. They bring it up to the level of Game Pass. And it includes Ghost of Tsushima, which is coming out in whatever, September. Um, that would mean that a similar, you know, and we will transfer in the same way the um, amount of game time you have on PlayStation Plus into that super PlayStation Now up to a year. They don't have to do it three years like uh, Microsoft did. So what does everyone do? They rush out, get PlayStation Now plus, or however it's called, for a year, uh, cheap, and they are similarly locked into Sony's service as they are to uh, Xbox Game Pass. And Sony announces their new service and their new console, of course, and that will carry over to PlayStation 5 or whatever it ends up being. Ed, how crazy am I? I mean, I think that Sony definitely needs to take a new approach to PlayStation Plus. Like, PlayStation Plus was the best subscription service um during the, t the time period where like you got free games right so like people are now giving up like epic's giving up free games all the time um humble the humble bundle subscription service but playstation had this um slew of playstation 4 playstation 3 and playstation vita games and they were all like pretty good like mm. there were some that some months that was kind of so so or whatever but in general it was a pretty good deal now they're only giving two games out just two PlayStation 4 games. And the last, the, the most recent month, which was uh, um, the first month where they had just the PlayStation 4 games, people looked at it like, wait, I get Borderlands the Amazon collection? Like, that seems kind of a late time to, <laughs> to add that to the to the subscription. So, uh, Well, it's but, because of yeah. the Borderlands 3. I think some people... Yeah, really, yeah. But yeah, I, I get you what you I mean. I get it, but... Borderlands a few years ago, when they were but, essentially trying to catch up to Microsoft, they were giving away, like super high profile games right. every month so yeah right yeah so so just the idea that they're going to uh kind of combine the two subscriptions together and and also make it so you can i know you can now but install all of the games that are available on it um all that can you already you know, install them 
I didn't realize. I think you can install some of them. Okay, of them. I think right, the ones that are on your PlayStation 4. Maybe that maybe that's the, yeah. already the case, which would make the transition to what I'm talking about even easier. But yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's just some of the older ones. I, I don't know, but um, mm. it, it'll be it, it'll be nice to to be able to install because no matter how good I think streaming gets, I think you're, there's always going to be issues. And just when you're already dealing with like buggy games in general, maybe it's better to not have to deal with buggy streaming and as well, you know. So. Sorry, I'm I'm confirming the PlayStation 4 games you can download uh, and install if I'm understanding this uh, nomenclature right. So it's already the case. So I think they'll just add first party games, all of them, and yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, keep going. Yeah, uh, but but that's my point is, is that I kind of agree with you that that Sony needs to do something um, to kind of elevate themselves back up to to the to the top in terms of their subscription services because mm. right now i think it's kind of lacking in not being looked upon as uh i think sony in general is kind of being looked upon nowadays in the industry is kind of being a, a little bit of the bad guy a little bit of a lazy person since they're in first place and so if they're not careful they're they're going to start losing some of that um some of that brand loyalty to Microsoft, I think. I th yeah, I think so. I'm certainly looking at Microsoft in a very different way now that I have Game Pass. Yeah, um, and sure. I think E320, what the thing is with Sony, they don't want to just give you uh, their biggest game, The Last of Us 2, inside a subscription service when they can sell it to you first and then offer it to everyone afterwards to earn points. And I think that's what's going to happen because they need to get into that subscription service action beyond what PlayStation now is currently, which is back catalog. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. But that's my prediction. Uh, E3 2020, subscribe now when you get everything, including Ghost of Tsushima when it comes out in, you know, September. But yeah, so. I'm also like a little... Um a little hopeful, I guess, that all of these subscriptions that require that are required to play online will just kind of become a thing of the past, especially since like always online connectivity is like almost necessary now. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to pay to play online because you're always online. Although, as I said, you know, um, the latest numbers on PlayStation Plus are 38, 36 million at the end of the year. And that's a third yeah. of the installed base. So there are a lot of people who don't have PlayStation Plus, a large majority of them. Uh, they just, you sure. know, have their console and probably play FIFA and they're happy. Or, you know, Maiden or Madden, whatever you people play in the U.S. Or but, they uh, use it as a Netflix box. <laughs> uh, that's a little bit expensive for a Netflix box. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I do want to say a little bit more about uh, Game Pass Ultimate. Um, I've had it since E3 and I, I, I can't remember who said it like this but they coined a way of expressing it which I think really uh, embodies what or, or illustrates how I feel about it um, I knew it was good intellectually but now that I've had it I knew it's good I know it's good uh, emotionally like I I actually love that service um and just going in and seeing all the awesome games that you want to play which are 
Of course, many, but I think an even nicer surprise is, as the thing you mentioned earlier, um, it's that there are so many games that I would have liked to try out because they're in the conversation at the moment or whatever. And I hadn't because I didn't want to, you know, I knew it probably wasn't going to be my thing, but I didn't want to shell out even a small amount, you know, 30 bucks. Uh, there are like five games like that every month that I would like to give a try. And I know that most likely uh, 90% of it are probably not for me, um, but it's still nice to actually give them a try. And with Game Pass, of course, it's not every single game, but it is uh, uh, some of them, especially since we're talking about a back catalog. So um, what I did is I went out and uh, tried Ori and the Blind Forest. Really nice, nice. game. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Metroidvania, I kind of got the gist of it. So I didn't keep playing because I know the next one is going to come out soon ish. Um, <laughs> Rise, Son of Rome, I had never played. Uh, uh, by the way, I pl this got me to plug in my OG Xbox One, um, which had been on the shelf for, I don't know, two years now or more. Um, I tried Void Bastards, which is weird and interesting. Uh, I tried Astroneer, which is not my thing at all. <laughs> like these kinds of exploration games, not for me, but I tried it. You know, I kind of have a vague idea of what it is now. Um, I, I tried Outer Wilds, which I'm going to keep playing because everyone is so in love with it that I, I need to see a little bit more than what I have seen. I played for maybe an hour, maybe two, but... I do not get the hype around that game <laughs> at all. Have you tried it? No, I I've, I've bought it, but I haven't actually played it yet. But uh, because it it I did play it at PAX actually. Now that I think about it, um, it's a weird one, but it's kind of cool. The idea that the like the world resets every couple every like hour or something like that. Yeah, it's a little bit shorter, but it's. I mean, I'm not going to talk about any spoilers, but the. The, the, everyone loves it. I don't think I've yeah. heard a single reviewer or journalist talk about it without like emotion in their voice. And <laughs> it's a game where, you know, you're on a planet and you get into a wooden spaceship, essentially, and you travel from planet to planet into this one um, uh, solar system. And every distance is like super tiny. To go from one planet to another, it takes maybe a minute of traveling in space. And but I it's get pretty cool. You have to deal with like physics and stuff. Like you have to slow down your 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 ship by turning yourself around and accelerating in the opposite direction and stuff like that. Kind of yeah, it is a little bit uh, physics heavy. <laughs> it, it, like I crashed more <laughs> than I would like to admit. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, and and dying in this game is part of the loop as you kind of mentioned but I, I get the charm of it i get but i've only played for an hour but for that hour i'm like okay um i guess this is nice and i'm sure this is going to be another near automata thing which everyone hates me for not liking it actually that's not true near i actively disliked this one i'm just like oh um all right. Well, I don't get it, but I it's charming. But um, anyway, maybe there's stuff that happens afterwards and I'm going to discover it. But um, yeah, so I tried that one, too. Um, I tried Onrush, which, boy, this is a, a video gamey, gamey game game. And it's super fun. Like Onrush, this is a tragedy that it didn't get more. Actually, it's a tragedy that it didn't get more time to cook. Um, there's such a fun uh, 
core to that game. Do you know what what it is? What Onrush is? No. Is it, is, it looks like it's a car race game. Yeah. So it's essentially a. When did it? When did it come out? It was maybe six months ago, I think. Um, it, it's a. Uh, oh, it was last year, June 2018. Um, it is a. It uses the mechanics of a racing game. Um, so essentially, you're driving on a track, and you have competitors, and you have a boost that builds up when you do stuff so doing stuff like pushing off competitors or jumping you know doing jumps and stuff like that and you can boost and when you have used enough of your boost you have kind of a super boost which is kind of your ultimate um and you have different kind of uh different kinds of vehicles that have different properties in a semi overwatchy way um But the interesting thing is that it, it is not a race. It just uses the driving for many different types of uh, challenges. So you have two teams, and for each, each different challenge, they have a different um, goal to achieve. One could be uh, boost more than the other, reach the, the time of boost uh, that's set quickly, more quickly than the other team, or go through the, the gates, you know, the, the time check things um, to gain time, and uh, you gain two seconds each time, and the counter goes down, and when it reaches zero, the team that reached zero has lost, and stuff like that. So it's not like you have laps or even an end um, goal, it's just you keep driving, and you You're doing this thing and you have like fodder cars that you can bump into that are almost mobile-like. And honestly, it is it, it is pure gamey fun. It is just fun. <laughs> and, it, you know, whenever you get Game Pass, give it a try. It's 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 so sad that everything around that core gameplay is ironically rushed. Or, you know, they looked at Overwatch and they were like, oh, cool, you know, business model will will like send uh, sell skins and animations when they when people win, except oh, every one of them is like ridiculously bad. It must have been like, you know, they went to their animator and they were like, dude, can you do like 672 animations for the game's release? And he was like, it's coming out in two months. We know, we know, we know. Just, you know, whatever, do it and, and it will be cool. And he's like, it's so... Anyway, so the core of the game is really fun. Um, I'd encourage everyone to give it a try because it is absolutely a fun core thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was resurrected somehow by the same company. I think it was Codemasters. Um, it's like part of the fun of... Um, what's that game where you crush everything that racing game ah oh, brain fart um burnout yeah burnout uh and it's kind of parts of the fun of burnout but without those annoying racing mechanics um <laughs> so it's i mean I these know. are the same guys that made made f1 made the f1 and grid and dirt series so right um So, yeah, anyway, so I got to try that, um, which was fun. But then you'll never guess which game I actually played. I will guess because I know the answer and I've, I've heard you talk about it, but... Damn it. Uh, okay, well, uh, it's Gears of Wars, Gears of War 4, um, which I never thought I would have <laughs> enjoyed. But 
it turns out, you know, I, I started it as I have so many other games in Game Pass. And it, it was fun. It was like, I can see how if I had gotten it in 2015, what was it? 2015, 2016, I would have been pissed because <laughs> it's like it is so rigid. The game design is incredibly stuck in the past and it is like move on arena a little bit of like yeah. uh, you, you walk in between each arena a little bit of banter and then oh there come the other ones and they even they're aware of this so they're joking about it between the characters and it it's like that divided in chapters for nine hours or ten hours of game time it never deviates from that for well there are like almost tower defensey types of of chapters which are not great um or like missions and there are um uh, the end is kind of fun where you get into a giant mech and and wreck everything um but it is super rigid i did enjoy the characters though it was it was well acted pretty well written a little bit too much on the nose on the humor side but fine um and I kept playing because I wanted to see how Kate, one of the main characters, uh, becomes what she is in the trailers we've seen for Gears of War 5. And have you played Gears 4? No, I played Gears 1 and Gears 2. Yeah, I same. Think. Yeah, and, and I like the games. Um, it's just, you know, it, it was. it's like, it's all the things you said. Like, I wasn't sure if I was ready to jump back into Gears and then and have i'm not i wasn't sure i was going to have that good of a time with the with that 60 dollar purchase yeah um, well you know. i mean <laughs> let me spoil it for you if you played gears one and two you played gears four it is yeah, exactly the same thing exactly. um it's like it's like the enjoyment i got it like the gameplay loop is kind of like halo a little bit where like yeah you you fight a bunch of enemies you think go to the next place to fight a bunch of enemies but the the appeal of Halo um, I got out of like the multiplayer and stuff, and I, I never really got that appeal out of Gears as much. I have a friend that really loves Gears and played it as soon as it came out and stuff like that, and really enjoys the multiplayer, but uh, it just wasn't my thing, I guess. Yeah, and it wouldn't have been. I mean, Gears Four. I I joked on Twitter that it was kind of fun in an archaeological research way because the game feels like it was made ten years ago. Um, but it's fine. It's okay. It it just ends so abruptly. Um, the the end is like honestly, it's almost in the middle of a sentence. Almost like they, they they're like, oh, and this is amazing, and it stops, and you're like, wait, what? What? what is the and it relates to what's been uh shown from gears 5 but anyway i hope they changed how i felt about the end of halo 5 where it ended just like that and it was like well i guess i had to wait for the next game yeah that's that is a little bit frustrating but it's nice that i you know we get to see gears 5 in just like what is it three months or four mm -hmm. months and uh and it so, comes with game pass yeah exactly so i will definitely be pl playing it at least i mean it looks like it's done that um it's taken that step forward that it couldn't with gears four and it's become a little bit more mature we'll see what actually happens but uh and i rewatched that trailer from um this year from the microsoft conference with kate's face being like divided i i thought it was amazing i really liked it i thought it was 
very atmospheric, obviously, but um, and but I really hope they update the game mechanics because it is it is so 2006. Like yeah. the, the gunplay feels very approximative. Like it is maybe that's what Gears is, and and people who enjoy it enjoy it for that. But in a world where Destiny exists or where Borderlands exists, it's rough to come back to that very imprecise uh uh gun handling and and gun uh feel interesting i I always would describe gears gunplay as like kind of methodical i guess maybe more the gameplay than the gunplay like yeah you're kind of walking nice and slow and you you feel very very dense and then you snap to uh to a, a barrier so you can fire over cover and stuff like that but you're saying that the gunplay feels very kind of not great in comparison yeah i think it's it lacks precision um mm-hmm. and that has a little bit to do with uh controllers but i play destiny on a controller and maybe it's the uh a different kind of snapping you know it snaps to the target in destiny so it's aim assist gears 4 has no aim assist like none and you know i know some people might say dude get better or whatever it's possible but it it, it, on a console with a controller if you have zero aim assist it is rough for me at least um Mm -hmm. so Anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to Ga- Gears Five, but the point is, Game Pass Ultimate is, I mean, Game Pass in general, extremely cool, extremely cool. Um, I I recommend it to anyone. Um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, Nintendo is is keeping an eye on on video game streaming, uh, which doesn't mean much. And Square Enix has said that they would love to make their complete library available digitally. Um, some of them they don't have the code for the code, the actual code for the game, uh, for. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes to you know how awesome would it be if i could get uh game streaming for nintendo titles as well a 15 bucks a month subscription to all nintendo games i would never unsubscribe ever (laughs) I, i would be subscribed until the day i die right so i don't know uh well maybe 15 bucks a month you know that's becoming a lot of subscriptions i understand that i think i think the way it's going to work is is that you're going to have one subscription main and then rotate between two or three additional yeah yeah um and not all of them should be 15 bucks some of them can you're saying your mainline subscription is going to be nintendo you've already decided right exactly (laughs) um well ironically maybe not i think it would need to be one that also has a lot of third party because the developers games is the backbone but you still need some meat on that bone i mean so far nintendo's uh support for third party on the switch has been very strong so i don't see why that would be any different in a subscription service that they would offer but yeah, no, I would agree. Um, I would want the the subscription I'm married to, though, to have games like, you know, Assassin's Creed, maybe, or those big third-party games, which they might uh, not so be you- on. So I, I might need to go you get Uplay Plus or something. So you're trying to do, like, an F, Mary kill kind of thing on your... Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> so I guess Mary would be Sony... Um, <laughs> F would be Nintendo. There's that passion and kill. Who would it? Ah, kill. Maybe, maybe you play. 
or EA, EA. Well, right. maybe EA, maybe EA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill would be EA. That's that's correct, actually. <laughs> um, Bethesda is the secret fling I have on the side because they have some cool stuff too. Um, and and you know, if Assassin's Creed keeps being good, then that could be my my other no. So Xbox would need to be my secret family. Um, and oh my god, it's getting too complex. Um, <laughs> I want everything. I just want everything. Um, yeah, so, all right, uh, uh, GOG, God, that, what's this, what does that stand for? Uh, good old games, you know, GOG Galaxy is the, uh, web store and client for good old games, the online store for games that are a little bit older sometimes, but not necessarily, uh, but even more importantly, DRM free, they are a product of CD Projekt, which is the company, the Polish company behind, well, that kind of is a sister company to CD Projekt Red, which is the developer, of course, of The Witcher and uh, Cyberpunk. Um, GOG Galaxy 2.0, we heard about a little bit, but um, we it seems like it hasn't made a lot of noise. They're kind of pivoting. Um, what they're, they want to do with GOG Galaxy 2.0 is uh, on top of the store that already exists, kind of bring together all of your games from all of the different services into one uh, interface. So the way it would work, we, we haven't, you know, it, it's in closed beta right now, and it seems like it's going to go into open beta pretty soon. Um, but the way it works, which we hadn't had details on until E3, and I was very curious about, is that you actually have to log in to all of the different services um, to get the information on the games. They were very um, strongly... Uh, uh, saying that it, it's very privacy conscious and they don't store any of that data beyond what they need to operate the service and they delete it uh, anytime you you unlog uh, you log out from one of the services. But let's say you want to use it. Let's set the privacy conversation aside, even though it's important. But let's assume that it is uh, privacy acceptable um, that might be a big if but let's uh, still assume that you log into let's say playstation network xbox uh, live nintendo steam epic um, which all provide apis they will have to work with a cd project to agree that they can be used but according to cd project they're talking about all of this and uh, when you log into all of that, it populates all of your games from those services um, into the GOG Galaxy interface. And you can select them and, and view them in different ways and filter them. And you also get interconnected uh, with the chatting of all of those services. And arguably, you can chat back and forth uh, with all of them. Um, what do you think about that, Ed? Is that something Man. you'd be interested in? So, like, I didn't quite realize how expansive they're they're being with this uh, this client. It's, it it kind of solves a lot of the a lot of the issues that I that I've been kind of thinking about recently in games about how fractured things are, um, and like like you have like four clients, five clients on on PC now, and 
the ability to kind of uh, bring those all into one place is is really neat. And uh, and man, it it'll, it'll be really cool to to have like especially cross uh, cross platform chat and friend and friends lists and stuff like that to kind of see. Oh, let's see what everyone's playing. You know. Right. I think that would be pretty cool. I don't know if the they, they seemed confident uh, in the interview I saw. Um, I, I'm not sure how uh, uh, friendly the different services are going to be to yeah. this. I'm sure Microsoft will be because they want to be everywhere. Sony, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, and others, it's debatable. But uh, I think there's definitely a need for something like this. As you said, we have many f launchers. Our game collection is is fractured across many different services. Um, and I, I'm sure it's even happened to many of us that we, we wanted to play a game or maybe we even bought a game that we didn't realize we had from, yeah. you know, whatever Xbox Live Gold or PlayStation Plus from six months ago or two years ago even. Um, so yeah, would, I think there's a need for this. Absolutely. And I, I think GOG is well positioned to do it in a way that would work. Uh, I think there was an opportunity for Discord there that might have been yeah. um, squandered. But uh, yeah, GOG Galaxy, they could do it. Um, and I don't know that I would necessarily 100% trust them with with that information, But I would probably trust them more than I would almost any other entity, I think. So, I mean, well, like, what are they going to get out of you authenticating your other accounts? Like, your game data, I guess? Like, yeah, I don't know. What I don't are you know. worried about there? If, as long as it's going through the official APIs, it's fine because they can't really mess with it too much. Um, but they can still do some things and, and send messages. And I think a, a, a leak would be a, a, an issue, you know, a breach um, that I would be concerned about. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think mean, if it's well like, done, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, proper API, um, uh, like, standards means that they don't actually store your passwords or anything like that they'll just store like a token um but yeah i guess that token could still be used no matter what but no you're right i mean if it's done properly it should be okay it's just privacy concerns you know the facebook scare yeah. like they would know what everyone is playing all the time right they would have all of the information about all of the games and they've said we don't want to use that information we will not use it like this is really and a then they'll sport. sell it to politicians to yeah. <laughs> i don't know like oh no this guy plays wow all the time <laughs> yeah so i don't know there are some always some concerns because they would have you log into every service you use so there is a mm -hmm. lot of information there but um right yeah Um, I mean, they're in Europe, so they would have to comply with GDPR for well, for yeah, exactly. European uh, European customers at least. So that's one uh, concerned uh, concern squelch, kind of. Uh, so yeah, I, th I think it's it's pretty cool. It's going to be an open beta. It, they were hinting at post E3, so I'm guessing not in not too long from now. So we'll see. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, concerning E3 is the conversation about crunch uh, or conversations rather uh, about crunch that happened uh, during that um, that 
show, there were many companies that addressed it, uh, that addressed the issue, I mean, and uh, many companies that were expressing uh, the ways in which they were trying to avoid crunch and make the working conditions of their employees uh, better. And I think this is one of several examples um, where the, the, this is the direct result of the tenacity of investigative game journalisms um, who are having a real effect on the industry and who are, uh, you know, taking uh, the, the companies that deserve to be taken to task to task. And that is admirable. And I think it is showing there are many examples in which um, the, the gaming journalism is the best it's ever been, just like games in general. Uh, but this is one example. And it's not necessarily even about Gamergate, which I think their contention with, with game journalis journalism was always bogus. But there were legitimate concerns maybe a decade ago um, about many things. And it's not perfect. It's not like everything has been uh, fixed. Um, and certainly there are issues with influencers uh, to maybe a larger extent than journalists today. But I think our industry is growing up and the media is growing up as well. And this is serious. This is like, you know, it's not world politics, but it is the serious issues, the serious side of our industry, which is being covered properly. And I think this is uh, uh, not just admirable, but I did want to mention that, look, it's game journalism is it's doing extremely well and again the best it's it's ever been and the issues i'm sure some people could point to some um i think are are few and far between and being addressed appropriately so i just i'm pr i guess it's a feeling of pride of uh the way our our media is conducting itself um in spite of what a few angry YouTubers would want you to believe uh, for, you know, because they like, they want to generate clicks with outrage. So. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think that the angry YouTuber uh, people are like definitely in the minority of the voices now. Um, I, I think that the majority of people are uh, kind of happy and, and glad that, that, a spotlight has been shown on crunch culture in the gaming industry. It was already always one of those things that was kind of known, you know, like as a, uh, someone who went to school for programming to kind of maybe get into gaming. I was kind of like shied away from that. Um, just kind of looking at the industry itself and how, like how, how much crunch was such a, a part of the industry culture. And um, really that's, that was a factor in you, Oh yeah. Deciding oh yeah, to, for sure. Really? It's yeah. a factor. It's actually a factor for a lot of people that I, that I know and talk to. It's like, well, I wanted to get into making games maybe because that's where my real passion is, but you know, I, I didn't want to have to, um, to subject myself to, to the crunch and, and the 80 hour work weeks and stuff like that. I would prefer to work in a corporate company and, and, um, probably get paid more, have better benefits and, and all that stuff. So, mm. um, it is something that is definitely uh, at the top of uh, young computer science students' minds, I think. Um, but it never really uh, broke out into the greater um, uh, mind share of the industry, uh, both as consumers and as producers of these games. Um, and so, I think that I think that you 
you're right when you say that the games journalists definitely like contributed heavily to um, that mind share being increased and people kind of coming to terms with the fact that, yeah, sure. Red Dead Redemption was a great game, but um, there was definitely a lot of uh, crunch culture at, at Rockstar when they made that game, mm. you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, we've seen, we've seen it in, in, I think there were maybe five major articles um, over the course of the year uh, mm -hmm. I, I want to say denouncing because they were denouncing, but really they were just, uh, for the most part, very plainly stating the facts they had acquired. And of course, you yeah. need to understand, you know, the the lens through which they they were seeing this and acquiring them, and and maybe some people were disgruntled, but it, it, they were very honest in that way. They weren't trying to manipulate it to 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 make you think a certain thing and you know there was rockstar and cd project and and um at some point in france there was the the issue with um ah oh, uh uh become human uh oh uh them yeah detroit the detroit yeah that oh my god brain farts um I'm I'm furiously googling right now. Quantic dream. Quantic dream. There you go. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, I I think it was really exemplary work um, and and fair work and and it was it it is starting to have uh, effects and of course it's um, it takes time. All these things take time and it's systemic issues which can't be fixed easily. So. Um, Yeah, there's this, there's, there's the issue of um, female representation, which is also being discussed in a much more, I think we've come into a um, uh, uh, much more calm and rational uh, mind about all of this. We're, we're talking about issues and a little bit less, as strange as it might seem. Of course, there are always people, uh, uh, you know, as we said, who are angry, but I, I you mentioned there's less anger. There are always angry YouTubers. I think that's, you know, a, a factor, uh, a consequence of the uh, business model of YouTube that get money when they get clicks. But these conversations, I feel, maybe it's the people I listen to, have kind of integrated the um, general industry talk. And we talk about them and they're like, yeah, it's because of this. Oh, no, I disagree about that. That's taking it too far. But yeah, this could probably be done in a different way. Um, and not necessarily two camps yelling at each other, which right. of course, I'm sure it still happens, but overall. Yeah. Um, all right. That's it for E3. Anything else you wanted to add to the post E3? Uh, um, no, just other than the fact that I'm excited. Breath of the Wild sequel had had me at the tip on the tip of my chair just so so, so ready for that uh, to be a thing yeah that's I, the biggest thing for me <laughs> i yeah i also lost a little bit of uh pee um oh by the way <laughs> talking about zelda i played the uh, cadence of hyrule oh yeah yeah how do you think what do you think of that it's it's fun it's it's pretty yeah, good it really um is. i didn't expect it to be as zelda as it is mm -hmm. i think that's the general uh uh through line for a lot of coverage and people playing the game for sure yeah it's i i expected it to be a crypto the next necrodancer zelda skin and it really is a zelda game with crypt mechanics 
Yeah. Which is, which I, I mean, is the, very nice I, I think there, there's a little less puzzle element. I mean, that's kind of the highlight of a Zelda game is the puzzles and stuff. There's less of that than I think a normal top down 2D Zelda game would have. But the the mechanics of the puzzles being how you defeat the monsters is kind of a, a cool s- spin on things. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I'm having just a blast playing it. You know, at first it's kind of like frustrating because I kept dying and stuff like yeah, that. Me but too. <laughs> once you once you kind of get get to the the jive of it, I still think the little uh, jelly monsters, the choo choos or whatever, I still think they're the most frustrating enemies to kill to when kill without split. taking damage. When they, they split, split in half two, and yeah, they yeah. surround you, and you're like, oh, "Where do I go?" And yeah, <laughs> but uh, overall, I'm, I'm having uh, just a blast playing playing the game. I, I, I'm playing it pretty much whenever I get the chance to. Uh, this past few weeks, yeah, I I want to play it more, but again, I have so many games now. Um, <laughs> good <laughs> well, problem. I, to I'm have. like the perfect time because I'm on a two and a half week vacation, so I don't ha- I don't have access to a PS4, or an Xbox, my PC, or anything like that. So it's just Switch, just Switch all Switch, the time yeah. for me. Um, all right. So uh, other bits of news that we will run through a little bit more quickly. Um, Okay, let's not get back into the entire <laughs> controversy about loot boxes, but everyone's been talking about the fact that, um, who was it? A, a, a legal counsel for EA uh, was being heard by the uh, a committee from the UK Parliament, and <laughs> uh, they said that uh, the, what the, the mechanics that they were offering in some of their games were not loot boxes, they were surprise mechanics. Um, they don't like the term loot boxes, but uh, rather they think of them as surprise mechanics, which is, of course, incredibly infuriating because... It's such a marketing thing, right? Like some, someone in marketing was like, let's, let's try to think of a different name for loot boxes if we can't. Uh, oh, okay. Let's go. Let's uh, loop pentadius. No, no, no. That's too, too, too real. Too real. Uh, surprise mechanics. Great. Let's use that. Let's use that. Let's run. Yeah, with that. I, I think it was it was some someone in the legal department who was who wanted to get away from Maybe. the charged um, loot box term, which of course is ridiculous because loot boxes. It's not like it's a different term that existed somewhere else that was applied to <laughs> games. It it was a right. game defined term like literally you have boxes and you have loot loot is from games it's not like from somewhere else anyway so they wanted to get away from it and make and made some um comparisons to kinder eggs and stuff like that which okay i i get we've talked about this many many times and i don't want to get back into all of that what i will say though um they mentioned we do think the way we've implemented these kinds of mechanics is quite ethical and quite fun um I, I'm probably the person in everyone I know that is the least uh, angry about loot boxes, or at least the person who says there are ways of implementing them in, in a way that works. My prime example being Overwatch, and I think that's the best student uh, in the class. Um, but even then, I I personally don't think I... So there's one thing to keep in mind here. I think loot boxes, and and that's something that a lot of people don't manage to uh, separate. Loot boxes, as a game mechanic, I think they're fine when you earn loot boxes for activity in-game. Getting a a box that you get some items you can use with is great. And you don't, you know, there's this fun aspect of, oh, am I going to get something? That aspect, I think, 
is fun and ethical the the fact that you can earn them in in game arguably if you can earn them in game even if they give you an advantage in the game it's probably fine the problem comes when you have to pay for them and that creates that opens a, a, a pandora's box yeah. um and that is where the issue comes from i think as a game mechanic first of all they would exist a lot less if you couldn't pay for them the existence of the loot boxes is to monetize i understand that but as a mechanic the the, the surprise aspect of it, I think, is kind of exciting um, to an extent I mean, because you might get randomized fun. loot has existed like since right like old school RPGs. Like the the concept is 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 fine. It's just when it, like you said, when you can pay extra money, you you kind of get into this weird kind of ethical stance right. of uh, in, in yeah. where it's it's the lines are are obviously drawn between gambling and loot boxes like like how could you not draw those lines well so this is another thing just just to address one thing you just said in rpgs like world of warcraft bosses are essentially loot boxes that's what they are yeah, you, they you are. hack at them and you hope that oh. you get the thing you you like <laughs> and there is some pleasure i mean it's the whole point like you, you if you got the item you wanted all the time it wouldn't be as fun like there is this it's like a difference in business model like they want you to keep going after that boss so that you keep feeling like you have to subscribe but it, yeah the, but i also think you know, the, if you if you talk about the gaming fun like if you simplify the argument to the extreme if in in world of warcraft you just walked to a guy and he handed you the, the sword you want, it wouldn't be fun. And similarly, if you went to kill the boss and they gave you the, the sword, I don't think it would be as fun. Like you, you kill a boss in a in a um right, you uh, always dungeon get the loot that you want. and you always get the loot that you want. It's it's not the same. Of course, it plays into wanting you to stay subscribed and giving you stuff to do for days and months and years, but it, it there is an argument about the fact that it's not as fun. Um right. The gambling aspect, um, so anyway, my point was going to be the fact that you can pay for loot boxes it shifts that conversation, and I'm not sure the ethical statement that he made fits quite as well. But right, exactly. the gambling, um, he says they aren't gambling, and we disagree that there's evidence that shows they lead to gambling. Um, they aren't gambling. I think there are elements of gambling, but the key difference, which a lot of people would agree about is gambling when you say gambling it charges the term and means you know things like you end up selling your house to go to the casino and obviously that doesn't happen with games so i think the difference the differentiation between loot boxes and gambling i honestly think it's fair i think when you say gambling you bring a lot of other meaning with yeah, you it's with like, that term right it's like the the you're not necessarily gambling because it's not the same thing but the the psychological effect of gambling is the same as loot boxes i think yeah i that i honest i think that's debatable because the motivation for gambling is that um that that hope that you're gonna get that you're going to be rich and yeah, you're going I, to get more money that you're right spending, yeah. exactly so it's a direct, Whereas, it's a direct monetary transaction versus this is more like this is more of a normal transaction for a good, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, but I, I understand there are also some elements because you're hoping you will get that epic skin, um, yeah. you know, or the epic weapon or whatever. But I think it's so such a different scale that I think it's a little bit pushing it to say, oh, it's like gambling. I, I honestly don't believe that. And the the other thing is when he says we disagree that there's evidence that shows they lead to gambling, that is the real a real political concern. This is what these committees are studying. And they don't know much about gaming. They're hearing, oh, loot boxes are gambling. Like, wait, this is gambling? What, what are you, you're getting our kids to gamble? And in their mind, they're thinking about casinos and people losing their houses, right? I, I think, I'm assuming, but I don't think that's it. You know, when they or say- losing they, their parents' houses. Maybe. <laughs> when they say there's no, you know, when the EA exec or lawyer says there's no evidence that shows it leads to gambling, again, I'm sorry to the people who hate loot boxes. I, I think they're on their way out. I really think like, I don't really love them. I could completely live without them. And I think they're on their way out. They've become completely tainted, um, except in some EA games that are specifically like FIFA and stuff like that with FIFA Ultimate Team, where I really think that a lot of people play them and have no problem with FIFA Ultimate Team and like collecting the 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 um, the the players through card packs anyway my point is there's no evidence that shows it leads to gambling when have you heard about some kid getting loot boxes in whatever even fifa um that went out and and started playing on a you know in a casino that is honestly i think a i think that, a, an that, assumption that, that is completely haven't around. been around long enough like they yeah, haven't been okay. around long enough to be studied to to fully find whether there is or is not a link yet. Um, okay, and so that's fair part enough. Part of the problem. So I, I do agree with you that that it's a little. It might be a little much to legislate on something that might not be a thing, and that it needs more. more no, I mean, honestly, studies, Ed, I do think, honestly I, think, I think that right. it could lead people to gambling, like getting loot boxes and heroes of the storm would lead people to spend a thousand bucks at, at, at Las Vegas. And as if they didn't need, they, they needed that to go spend a thousand bucks at Vegas. You think there's a, 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 a relation there? I don't, but I don't have the, the the like the psychological like body chemistry that the gambling really affects you know okay i think a lot of people are saying that it is you know it is so like gambling that it is as dangerous and it kind of right. leads to gambling and so anyway honestly that is a side thing but i think if if some people think it leads to gambling the point is there is no i think you're right that there are a lot of right? people that are uneducated in the gaming like world that are trying to form opinions on this. Right. And, and I think that they're conflating, they're, they're conflating their hatred of loot boxes, which again, I, I understand um, with gambling in a way that is not very. It's like accurate. there's uneducated people on both sides. There's like people that are looking at, at the gaming that then that, that know the gaming, but don't know the psychology. And there are people that know the psychology, but don't know the gaming kind of. Everyone's well, forming a kind of a group think opinion over it. It Even might be, not. yeah. And and but but you know, there are very nice people on both sides of the <laughs> anyway. So the, the That's not politically charged either. At, at all, at all. <laughs> um but yeah, so 
bottom line, loot boxes, I don't think, are going to be a big thing. I, they aren't. Yeah, they're, I, they're really like I, uh, Gears of War 5. Gears 5 has said no gear packs, no loot boxes, yeah, nothing like that. Like, I can't count the number of, of games. Yeah. That Shadow War game, like, has completely removed all those mechanics from their single player entirely, you know? Like, yeah, I can't really think, except for the EA Sports games, uh, which, again, it's a lot of older people. I, I, that I have no evidence for, but I think I haven't never heard people complain about FIFA Ultimate Team um, before. And I know a lot of people who play it. But um, beyond that, I think loot boxes are a thing of the past anyway. And yeah. even with all my uh, contradictory thinking, I would think that's probably not too bad um, if they disappear, period. Um, all right, what else? Uh, that was longer than I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, Bloodstained is out. Uh, I don't have it yet, but it's coming to my Switch hopefully this week, I believe in a couple of days. So I'm happy yeah, with that. Yeah, it's supposed to ship tomorrow, I think, for right. Switch uh, backers. Cool. Uh, Bloodstained, of course, uh, Symphony of the Night-like game by uh, Igarashi, uh, Koji Igarashi. Got some good reviews. Yeah, it got some good, like, this is a sequ kind of a spiritual sequel to a game from 20 years ago reviews. Yeah, but way, which is way better what than, we wanted. than what the Mega Man uh, spinoff or spiritual successor That's game true. got. So. Yeah. I And think it, it's an example of a Kickstarter video game actually going... Uh, very well versus uh, some of the other examples of it not going yeah well. and it was touch and go for a little bit uh, they mm -hmm. corrected a lot of the graphics it was pretty cool and and they it seems they're delivering exactly what they promised which is cool so uh, yeah. I hope I'm going to be happy um, oh Ubisoft mentioned how they're doing all of the characters from uh, Watch Dogs Legion um, apparently they are doing on the voice thing something that we speculated on which is um, essentially recording maybe 20 different uh, versions different per people doing all the dialogues and then modulating that which is interesting but even more interesting is the faces um, they actually modeled um, oh they used photogrammetry Uh, which is essentially turning pictures into uh, stuff. And um, they... Uh, uh, oh, are you gone? You can't hear me? All right, we're back. Uh, it seems Cloudflare is having issues, which made issues happen for Discord on my end and Skype on your end. So now you're on your phone, but it's working and we can record. So perfect. We can finish the podcast. Hooray. We are podcasting professionals. We'll do it no matter the conditions. Um, so, yeah, I was saying uh, Ubisoft photogrammetrized uh, photos for the faces. Like the voices, they're modulating it. We understand how that works. But it seems for the faces, they took pictures of many different people and then composed faces with parts of faces from the ones they took. So they have like thousands of unique oh, faces, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. So, yeah, that's kind of neat. Uh-huh. Um, let's talk about mobile a little bit. Uh, we have a Dr. Mario coming in July for Android and iOS. Uh, it plays a little bit differently, but it's uh, Dr. Mario. We have Harry Potter Wizards Unite that launched uh, essentially already on uh, iOS and Android. Uh, Auto Chess, the uh, Dota Underlords, is available on uh, mobile as well. Uh, and um, yeah, there are some other numbers which don't matter as much. Anything you're looking forward to? You're running around being a little wizard from Hogwarts already? 
no, but I I do I did hear that that game was actually a pretty strong Pokemon Go like clone. Um, and it's the same it, company in, too. It's Yantic Labs. So. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize, but uh, so so if you're into Harry Potter as much as people were into Pokemon, then then go for it. Uh, it I heard I heard it doesn't have all the the growing pains and hiccups that Pokemon Go had um, since it came out years after the the Pokemon Go did. So um, right. definitely worth a try if you're if you're interested in that kind of gameplay again. Yeah, it would make sense. They they already knew what they were doing and uh, yep. they I, I saw the trailer and the trailer made it look like a mini site like fan fiction of Harry Potter, which wasn't too badly put together. But then, you know, it lasts for a minute and a half with people running around in London and whatever. <laughs> and then you see the game and it is obviously nothing like what that was. It right. felt a little bit like, oh, all right, well, I get why you didn't show the game. But I, I've heard from a lot of people that they're enjoying it. So maybe it's fun. I don't, you know, think it's for me. But um, another thing that's not for me is uh, Valve's Auto Chess. I downloaded Underlords, played it, and then fell asleep. It, like, I played the, the, the tutorial. I'm sure it's very <laughs> strategy-intensive, but I was like, after the 14th round, um, I was falling asleep at my um, phone, which I guess might have had to do with the fact that it was late and I was tired, but still. <laughs> have you tried it? No, no, it's it's not my thing. Mm, yeah. Pro I mean, I was curious, but anyway, everyone can do it now. You can download it and give it a try. Uh, maybe I'll give it a, a fairer chance down the line. Uh, what else? Epic bought uh, House Party, which is the tool the youngins use to chat when they're playing Fortnite, which is probably a clever move. Uh, Amazon Game Studios is not doing so hot. Yeah, uh, no. they've fired a bunch of people. Um, well, they haven't fired them. They've given them they sixty them days. Yeah, no, they they told them you know if you find jobs inside Amazon, you can move to those jobs. Right. Um, so maybe in sixty days they will be let go. But um, yeah, it's more you know like Amazon Studios, Amazon Game Studios had big promises that. I, I'm surprised nothing came out of them. I guess you don't improvise yourself um, game developer. But they had the right people. It was, I don't know. It's, um, I'm a little bit surprised that in, what, two and a half years, literally nothing has come. Because the one game, I can't re even remember the name. I tried it. It was fine. Um, they, they've uh, shut it down or went back to the drawing board or whatever. Yeah. So nothing came out of it. Nothing. It's uh, crazy. I think that's some of that's reflective of it's like what you said. You can't enterprise yourself like a game studio. But like, you know, some of these big giant companies um, that try to get into gaming um, just aren't really built for it. I mean, you have the big companies that, that were, are literally gaming and that's it, or they're gaming publishers, not developers, but you get the idea. But uh, Amazon trying to do a little bit of everything, sometimes a little bit of something is not is never enough. Mm. I'll, I'll give the counterpoint to that. It's been two and a half years, I think. Maybe it was more, but some games can take a long time to put together. And they laid off a part of their staff not all of it. So 
it, they might still be working on stuff. They realize some of the things weren't working. It's reorganizing. And we might see stuff, you know, in the next year or two or whatever. They're maybe still working on it. So um, maybe, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> they also had that big, um, well, it wasn't a, 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 a big uh, success, the lumber yard. Yeah, uh, the, middleware the AWS thing. engine thing. Yeah, it, it didn't work out. So, yeah. Uh, and lastly, we have uh, some footage from the Monster Hunter movie. Have you have you seen that? The... I didn't know this was for a movie. Yes. Oh man, it is. It is by uh, Paul W. S. Anderson, who made the Resident Evil series, and it also stars um, uh, Mila Jovovich and uh, Tony Jaa, who was amazing in Ongbak. If you remember Ongbak. Um, (laughs) well, I mean, it doesn't look it. I don't know. I like the Resident Evil movies, but not because they're anything like Resident Evil. Right. Just because they're kind of dumb to the point that I like them at this point. And maybe it's going to be fun, but I don't think it's going to be a very good Monster Hunter thing. Although... It's not like Monster Hunter is very, you know, I don't know. It's not like I'm going to make enemies in the Monster Hunter community, yeah, but I'm going <laughs> to, so I'm going to shut up now. Um, yeah. And that's it. That is it for this episode of Pixels. Thank you so much for staying with us through the um, VIP services woes that we live through. Ed, if people want more from you, where can they go? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Adesis. That will be in the show notes, I'm sure. Um, as far as the other stuff that I that, that I do, I'm involved with a, another gaming podcast called Four Player Network, Four Player Podcast, and it's uh, you can catch us streaming live uh, pretty much every night now and uh, at 4PP.TV. And for me, you can catch me on Wednesdays when I'm not on a two-and-a-half-week vacation, so... <laughs> Excellent. Um, for me, it's uh, Patrick. No, it's not Patrick. On one word, <laughs> not Patrick. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you want to follow my uh, goings on in Finland and Paris, um, and talking about vacation, I'm going to be out on vacation um, for a few weeks in uh, between July and August. So I might miss a couple of episodes. Um, it's not, I, I, I still have another uh, episode or two before that, but I'm telling people early uh, and we'll be back for Gamescom. But uh, between that, it will be the dead of summer uh, when I will hopefully for the first time in many, many years, think about things that aren't work. That will be nice. <laughs> Although, you know, I'm probably still going to be playing games and checking out tech stuff. So that's the quote unquote problem when you work in stuff you love and you do yeah. anyway. <laughs> I, I'm busy coding an app right now. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm working while I'm on vacation too. What am I doing with myself? <laughs> Basically. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another, for another episode before those vacations. So I hope you check that out. And uh, if you have uh, stuff to say about what we discussed, be it uh, Game Pass or the loot boxes or GOG Galaxy or anything, feel free to go to frenchspin.com um, for the in the article for this episode you'll be able to comment as of course as always and uh, we always appreciate the uh, conversations that happen around this uh, show so thanks for that and we will be back in a couple of weeks talk to you then have a lovely week
Bye. Bye. your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.